Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to John Con Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. Always much appreciated when you tune in, especially when the team is in a slide like this. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. And don't forget, don't forget, forget, forget that at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Tuesday night, Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders, and I will be back for our live stream show. A lot of Therapy Tuesday sessions here, folks, and don't know what to tell you. Did not, I didn't think they were going to be this great, great team, but losing two of these last three games has been brutal. And so there's a lot to talk about the future of, of this program and not my program, but their program and what could be done. You have the trade deadline coming up. Would you start selling off guys or trading assets, whatever? Uh, that's something we'll probably discuss as well, because that's the kind of stuff that we're going to get into. It's going to start getting into big picture situations if they don't turn it around real fast, starting Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. And folks, you don't want to lose at home to the Eagles when your owner is Josh Harris, who owns the Philadelphia 76ers. And you, you know, here's the other thing. You need to start winning games at home, period, because this is where he entertains people in his suite. You need people to leave that stadium happy for a change. Good Lord. Anyway, so that's just my little spiel on that. Before I get into my film breakdown, and today I'm going to go over a lot, like what went wrong with the offense on Sunday? Was it all just play calling? Well, the film doesn't show that it was just play calling. Of course, that was a part or the game plan or whatever it is that that was part of it, but it's never that simple. And I think that's what I'm going to look into. And just there's execution, there's throws, there's this, there's that. And yes, there were some quite, there's some slow to maybe get to some other concepts that did work in the final half. And anyway, so uh, we did talk to Ron Rivera on Monday, a couple of things that, that I think stood out, just the optimism that he said he feels because he feels like they do have the quarterback in place and Sam Howell, a guy they can build around. And I'll tell you what, man, you want to build around him, then you're going to have to start drafting and doing better building that offensive line because there's so much that starts with that. And it's not just on them, but it is something that they have not done a good job of building here in the four years under Rivera. And it's something that continues to hurt them. However, however, the Giants won a game with a far worse offensive line, and that's where some of the coaching, et cetera, comes in and where execution comes in. And they're taking guys off other teams' practice squads, and they beat them. And, you know, if you remember my Friday podcast with the predictions, I reminded you of that, that game in Seattle that Washington had several years ago where they were down three offensive line starters playing on the road in Seattle and somehow won the game because the defense kept them in the game and the offense made a couple big plays 
in the end. And that's really all it takes in this league sometimes. Anyways, um, but I also I also think, you know, by the way, um, Cody Barton has a high ankle sprain. And he, I told you the other, I told you Sunday that he left the stadium in a walking boot and Sadiq Charles strained the calf that he'd been nursing with an injury all summer or a part of the summer in training camp. Don't know how long those guys are going to miss. They were getting MRIs on Monday. We'll learn more about that either on Tuesday or on Wednesday. Um, and then the other thing is, I think it's time. One of the things that I think has to happen here is that Ron Rivera has to pretty much remind these guys that he's the guy that this is his team. And, you know, you're going to have to, it's not just about the consistent messaging and all that. I think it's about time that you're going to have to do something to kind of snap them back into attention and remind them that you are the guy in charge. And, you know, they've given a lot of power to Eric Bieniemy, and, but Ron Rivera is still the head coach. And I think on Wednesday, when these guys get back, this is this is nut cutting time, man. The, you you either get this done now or it's a wrap. And so I think it's going to have to be reminding them that you know this is it, it, it just can't be the same old consistent messaging. It's got to be something where you know I don't I don't say jolts them, but just kind of bring some passion and and fire and intensity to 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 them. And that's what you're going to have to do because that's the role he has. He's not the OC. He's not the DC. But that is the role he has, and I think he's going to have to bring some of that as they get back to work this week, and and just kind of show people, like, you know, what this, where you are at, where you are at, because you know there are a lot, there's a lot of frustration in that locker room. They did not think they would be like this either. To be honest, they worked too hard in training camp to be like this, and it's not paying off yet. So you need to get it to pay. You need to kind of keep them going somehow you know, get, get them going somehow. And, and, and hopefully for them that it translates into better play early in games starting Sunday, because in the bears game, the giants game, they played like garbage in the first half of those games. Those were two of the worst first halves I've seen them play in a long, long time. And they kind of came in three weeks, lucky us that we got to witness that. But, you know, so it's just gotta be certain, some of the messaging, it just can't be the same old message to the team, to the fans, to anybody, because it's at this point, people, they don't want to hear the same message. They want to, they want, you know, they want more of that passion, that intensity to show where you realize that this, this pro where things are at, at this juncture um, with your program, with everything. So that's what you got to do. Anyway, we'll see what happens when, when they come back on Wednesday. Anyway, so that's just my little spiel. So let's get into some of the film. And just like, like I said, I'm going to break it down and I'm not going over every play. I'm going to try and give you some highlights just to get a feel for it. But I think like one of the things I want to start with is some of the execution along the offensive line, because we all know what's going on up front. It's not always great and it's not always on them. It just isn't. However, there were a few times that where it's just, it's clearly a problem. Nick Gates has struggled. He struggled Sunday big time. And I think there's a lot that Nick Gates can add. I think he's got that toughness, the demeanor that really I think they needed up front. But, you know, you got to get it done. And and Sunday, you know, Lawrence for, for Giants is a damn good defensive lineman. Really, really good. I've always enjoyed watching him because I think he's just, I don't know that he gets enough attention but he's really, really good. And he took advantage on Sunday. And it wasn't just against Gates, but there was a lot that he was able to do up there. So one of the things is on that there was a third and four late in the first, late in the first um 
quarter. And it's a four-man rush. It's a four-man rush. And Washington, they have Sadiq Charles and it blocks down to his right. And then the the and then it was um Leonard Williams loops around. It's a four-man rush. He loops around just a little stunt with, with Lawrence inside. So you basically had, you know, but Sadiq Charles is basically his back is to the <laughs> to the gap. So he's hard, he's blocking all the way inside. And you have three guys blocking Lawrence. Meanwhile, Williams loops around untouched and it's a sack. That can't happen. That's just, that's just bad execution. That's not a game plan. That's horrendous execution. That can't happen. And, and it did. And it happens too often. And, you know, so that's what's one example of just a bad, bad execution. And again, it happened enough in the first half. Again, Gates, a couple, you know, with um, against against um, Dexter Lawrence a few times just had some problems and some, there's a five step, um, five step drop, 2.63 seconds for a sack for Lawrence, 2.63. That's quick for a defensive lineman or for defensive interior defensive lineman. And that was just overpowering Nick Gates on a third and 10 on a third and 10, you have um, Logan Thomas just missed on a chip block of Lawrence as, a, as who is coming around the de, as a defensive end. And because of that, he gets around Wiley and that prevents Sam Howe from being able to see Thomas now leaking out into the flat. Now it's a third and 10. If he hits Thomas, I don't know that he's going to pick up a first down, but he's got a shot to at least maybe break a tackle and then he gets the first down, but, you give up the sack and, it, and it's poor execution. You, you, your job on there is to chip and you didn't get the chip and he was in a hurry to get out of the pass, but you didn't get the ball anyways, because you didn't make the chip. So that kind of stuff was happening um, a little bit too much. And actually, you know, and so, and again, I mean, there's a lot that Logan Thomas does very well, but that was, that was a particular, and if, it's funny because early in the year, there were a couple of times I thought he did an excellent job on the chips in that first game against Arizona. But in in this game, on that particular play, and it's not this is not to rip on Logan Thomas, but on that particular play, did not get the job done in that particular area. Um, then there was, um, yeah, and, and like I said, Lawrence goes right through right right through um, Andrew Wiley uh, for for the problem. And then there's another time you have um, Brian Robinson is <clears throat> there's a play action to him running to his right. And after the fake and Howell steps back, he Robinson immediately goes to help the tight end. It was as if that was his assignment. And it may, I'm going to assume that was his assignment because he did it decisively, gets over there, but you got a blitzer coming through the gap between the center and the guard, excuse me, the guard and right guard and right tackle. Well, the the tackle's blocking wide. um, Or actually it it was the tight end was blocking wide. Blitzer comes through, Inside them, you have the tight the tackles blocking down, and it's a free rusher, and so it's another problem. Now, I don't know that that was execution. I don't know if that was just a mistake on someone's part, but it can't happen. So something happened there, whether it was not whether it was Robinson not seeing the pressure coming, or if he simply executed his job and somebody else got to slide over and get that, or you know, this you know, some something got messed up on that. You have Cole Turner, who on another one on the intentional grounding pass. You had him whiffing on a block against Thibodeau. Now, yeah, it's a it's a pass rushing end, but guess what? In this league, 
tight ends have to at least sometimes engage with a defensive end on various protections. You want to run a seven-man protection, sometimes that happens. And that's what happens here. And it's not even so much that you don't win the block, it's that you just completely miss the block. And so because of that, Howell takes a three-step drop, he immediately has to get rid of the ball. And it's an intentional grounding penalty because of that. So just the execution. So it's not, I'm not putting it all on them by any means, because I think there's other things that I'll tell you, you know, in a few minutes, but there are definitely times where he's like, it's just execution. Why, you know, it's funny because, well, I'll get into these numbers a little bit later and, and I'll, on the, on some stuff, there was, um, there are bad throws. There's bad throws. Obviously every, every game, there's going to be bad throws. Every game quarterbacks miss throws. Every game they make bad ones. You know, the best one, I remember watching Tom Brace, like, how did he, you know, he missed that throw. He missed that guy because it happens. But, you know, on the, on the interception, really good play design, just, you know, Jahan Dotson is breaking open. Just got to get it over, get it over the top of the corner. And it, it's, it's, it was a throw that Howell can make quite often. Now on the play, the one thing I wonder is you, the guys are get pushed into his lap and that happens too often here. And did it prevent, did his, I don't, it's hard to tell. Did his arm get hit before he unloads the ball? You know, does, does it, that's the one thing I wasn't sure about. And so I don't know um, if that happened or not, but you know, he wondered, he wasn't sure either, but it, but it certainly looked like it may have affected the fall through. Maybe his arm does get hit on the follow through that can affect it as well. Regardless, the, the good decision not the best throw because it was picked off. It's got to get there. Um, you had a third and five. There's a six man rush protection and you have um quick out. Oh, this was a, this is another, it's a good play design. You have a quick out to, to Logan Thomas gets out there quick, gets in the route quick and just a high throw that he has to re jump up for. Can't get it, but the, but the play was there. Now, on that play, Antonio Gibson picks up a, a linebacker, I believe it was a linebacker coming. And it's, you know, so how, again, it it perhaps messes with him a little bit. He's, he is not, he's only 6'1", so maybe he's got to throw a little bit higher to get it over there. But bottom line is, it was there. And so, you know, again, it's not to pin the blame here, here, or here. It's to show you it wasn't as simple as, oh, the game plan was terrible. It's just, it's it's always about there's this, there's this, and there's this. And I do think, and I'll get to the game plan stuff in a minute, or at least some of the adjustments that were made or, or when things were were going on. You know, I think, you know, the interception that he had, or the near interception that he had was unbelievably dangerous and just got lucky because Thibodeau, Thibodeau drops a gift. That, that'll be the easiest easiest pick six he would have ever had in his life there's there are a couple of times there were some choices that were see to me and i'm gonna i'm gonna give you some numbers here now's the time to save 30 percent on wedding jewelry only on bluenile.com make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands all hand finished and graded for excellence or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. 
NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KIME, K-E-I-M. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KIME. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When Terry McLaurin is on the field in one-on-one coverage, I'm looking to go to him. Not Maybe not every time, but quite often because he has shown Good things happen when you throw to him. I had a hard time with him only getting one target in the first half. So I went back and looked at these stats since 2020, since 2020, he's when he has one or fewer catches in the first half, Washington is three and 11. When he has four catches or more in the first half, they're seven, seven, and one, not great, but much better. When he has two or fewer targets in the first half, they're two and 10. When he has five or more targets in the first half, they're eight, nine, and one. When he has two or three catches in the first half, 15 and 12, three or four targets in the first half, 15 and 11. So the point is get the guy involved early. What it also shows is he's when he's involved early, but not the only target early, they're better off. But when you have one target, no catches, not acceptable because, you know, when you have, there are times where you'll hear, um, McLaurin saying things like, you know, yeah, guys come up to me and say, you know, we need you to make a play, need you to make a play. Well, when he's saying that, McLaurin is very smart and very diplomatic. And you said, talked about this after the game about wanting to get to certain plays earlier, getting to got to, getting to do this earlier, getting to do, you know, some different concepts earlier, the fades. I'll get to that in a minute. So when he's saying that, that says a lot when, when your captain is saying that he's the most respected voice in that locker room. And I don't think it's even close. So when he's saying that it, it's, it resonates, even though it's not in a DJ Swearinger, I'm going to rip the coaches kind of way. It's saying a lot because that's your captain. That's your voice. That's the most respected voice. And if he's saying that, I think you got to understand that there's going to be some frustration behind that for him to even get to that point where he feels like he needs to say something like that and but listen man i think we all know when they get the ball to him early in the games they're just better off you can't force it you can't like the point of even those records so when they when you try to go overboard to them is that the best thing for this offense and a lot of times it's and i don't this is off the top of my head it it could be that when you're having to go to him a lot it's because other guys just aren't either available or doing anything whatever so the sweet spot is 
in the in the period where you get them several catches in the first half or several targets in the first half, but you're all also able to spread the ball around and get other guys involved because I think that's when the offense is moving a little bit better. But the point is you got to get them involved early, and they did a poor job of that once again on Sunday. And it's not just about him, but when an offense is struggling like they were on Sunday, you have to get your guys the ball. And look, you got my hat up here, right, Ohio State. Well, that team, you know, you have Marvin Harrison. They they scheme to get him the ball because they know who's the guy that gets you going. It's Marvin Harrison. Well, McLaurin gets these guys going. You've got to find ways to get him the ball. He did, and it's funny because I know one of the things he wanted more of were fade routes, and I'll get to this in a minute. But in the first half, there was one time he did run a fade route. It's just that Sam Howell did not go to him on that particular play, but he did run it one time. He just had more success in the second half. So I wish they would take more advantage of two when, when, with, for Howell and that if they take more advantage of when Terry McLaurin is in one-on-one coverage and it's press, he, I'm going to take my chances that this guy's probably going to win or he's going to maybe draw a penalty. And if not, I'm still going to take my chances with him. You can't do it every time. And sometimes it can lead to the back shoulder, whatever, but you've got to take your shot because he is your guy. And um. I think this is one of the things that he talked about signals too. And I think they need to get to the point where maybe they get a little hand signal. And he, this is one thing that McLaurin has talked about a lot, wanting to have a relationship with a quarterback where you can kind of flash a signal to him to know that I'm going to do this on this play, or, Hey, you know, you you put your fist out, whatever. And it means you're running to the, the back, get a back shoulder. You're just, you're going to change the play, whatever, or change your route based on the look and you're on the same page. And I talked to him last week and I played the interview on here on, on this, on the prediction podcast with McLaurin talking about a couple of plays in Atlanta where they did do that, where that didn't have the hand signals, but they adjusted on the fly because they saw the same thing. And that did not happen the other day enough. In fact, on the, in the, on the last series, if you remember the throw to Terry in the end zone on that play, McLaurin was expecting just going to run into Banks who was in the end zone and turn and get a little back shoulder and Howell reads it as a throw to the corner. And that's what he threw. And, you know, Howell is throwing the ball. He's not waiting for McLaurin to get open. He is going to throw him open and the anticipation and the, they were just uh, not on the same page. Is that something where if you can develop those hand signals as you get more and more time together, can you get to that point where you know, okay, you just kind of put your fist down and it's going to be a corner route, you do whatever it is. And just to get on that same page, because that was a play where if I think if he throws a back shoulder, it may be a touchdown. If Terry runs the corner, it's probably a touchdown. And the, the I guess the kicker on that play is you have Samuel on the other side running a little similar route to what he scored on against Atlanta. Maybe he scores, but he probably gets the first down regardless. Anyway, that's neither here nor there because you make a quick decision there and you go. But the point is you need to get the ball more to McLaurin. And some of that is on the play calling and some of that is on how, because there are a couple of times where he has him one-on-one on the side, on the outside, and, and he's going to go somewhere else. And it's again, it's not just about McLaurin, but that's the guy I'm going to take my shot with. One of the things on the, on the game plan too, and, you know, just before I get into some of the things and they use a seven man protection is the most time, most seven man protections are used in the game all season. They was, I think it was 14 times. And those, on those seven man protections, Howell was eight for 13 with 82 yards, one sack. When they had five or six man protections, he was 14 for 29, 115 yards, five sacks. The giants blitzed 18 times when they were in five or six man protection 
and only 10 times in seven man. Now, 10, that's a lot given the percentage because there's actually more, the percentage was higher with the seven man, but that's why they're using the seven man because they know it's coming. The, um, there was also one time where they went to empty and they motioned out of there. And as soon as they motioned out of the empty, you saw the Giants linebackers reacting like it was it was time to feast. But it was you remember, you know, they had one of the linebackers just the signal, and they just basically was a signal to blitz. And that's sometimes just an automatic blitz call for for certain defenses. When you go to empty, the Giants did it and it and it was a problem. And this is one where again, get on that same page because on that play, it actually, I think Howell reads it right. You know, he's got a free rusher coming, he's got to take care of that. The problem that I had on this particular play is Bates is the is the guy he's going to but he runs a little in and out right and I almost wonder if if you get to that advanced stage I don't, I don't know how advanced it is, but should that have been one where instead of doing in and out you just break out because I don't know that because because he breaks inside and comes back out it didn't look like he had enough time to get the ball to Bates because of that in fact you know he didn't <laughs> so um that was one where I just, I wonder if that's a little adjustment, you know, like if they're coming like that, I don't have time to do this. I've got to go right to the out and and just take my chances because that's where it's going to be. Um, but anyway, as far as the plan, you know, I just discussed the protection. One of the problems I have is that this team only runs the ball 32 and a half percent of the time. That's not very good. Now, it's not just about like, I'm not a huge believer and it's got to be, you know, this 50, 50. I've never believed that because I just don't think that that's what balance, true balance is. True balance is different kinds of pass calls, different kinds of run calls, run fits. Right. Um, to me, the problem is they don't run the ball more efficiently. Um, you know, I think, is there, are there changes you can make there? Why? Well, like I said, I brought up Chris Rodriguez's name a couple of times. He ran the ball pretty well at times. And I think he runs with some power and he runs with some good vision but it's not like Robinson was, 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 was bad. I mean, he had one of his, you know, he had the nice touchdown run. It's only four yards, but it's a good run. It was a good design. And it was one where you actually had some run gaps. And that's one of the problems when you watch this run, these run fits or these run, the run game, it's a lot of times like where, you know, it, it's a little bit muddled. Right. And sometimes it's like, they'd have some five yard runs like, okay, it's five yard run. Then you watch it. And it's like, it's, it's one guy bowling forward for four more yards after first contact. So it's not like it's either schemed up great or block blocked. Great. And sometimes I, like I said, I mean, the, one of the problems the last couple of years with Scott Turner was there, but the run game was not, didn't seem to be designed well. And you have to wonder how this one is as well, because it has not been effective. And that's, that's, you know, it's not the number of runs, it's the effectiveness of it. And, you know, would be good to to call a few more runs just to, you know, it's always like, oh, take off some of the pressure off how. Well, you can also build in some easy throws for them. And they started to do that in the second half. That's another way to take off pressure and still move the ball because he can't, you know, he does have a good arm. And the, the, uh, the one thing that did surprise me going back to the runs is during training camp, it looked like one of the things the line did pretty well at times was run block. And we're just not seeing that enough. But again, I don't know that it's always on them. Is it what? What's the run game design? How effective is it? Are you creating the gaps? You know, you see other teams create maybe some better gaps in cutback lanes for 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 their backs. Sometimes it's on the backs to be just a little bit more patient. I think that's a big thing with Rob Brian Robinson. Still, he's adjusting to you know it's a lot of gun runs. Can you be as 
um, effective out of that? Can you be as diverse with your runs out of that? I think those are all questions that have to be asked. You know why? Because it ain't working. So not just the run game, but the offense in general. Now, so I, I'm going to go back and like it's been seven games. I felt like this offense would take time to to adapt to this offense, this, to this system, because it always takes time, especially when you have a young quarterback. And then when you have a line that is kind of pieced together and is not a great line, but I I, I do believe that that group is good enough to win with um, in the right setting, right? And sometimes that could be with a a veteran quarterback who knows, boom, boom, you're going, like you get a Brady, you know, a great, a really good veteran quarterback who knows where he's going right away, et cetera. You have a young quarterback who's growing, which means he needs more help from his front and he needs them to be good with the pickups and the slides and the protection calls, et cetera, for it to, to maximize what he can do. So that way, when he's hitting his five-step drops, like mostly sacks, you know, you, it's hard to say that, oh, these are all on how today. I don't, I don't, I didn't see that that way. I haven't broken it down just by whose fault it is, but I don't think there are too many. There are a few times where again, miss blitz pickup. And on one of them where again, the, I brought up the Robinson one, I think it was a, there was a third down or oh, the one with Logan, Logan. Yeah. There's third down and 10. Well, you have three guys that are all downfield. They're not even looking back yet because they're deep routes. And so you need good protection. Um, and so where, what's he supposed to do? So those are all things that are going on, but with, with anyways, getting back to this, um, again with the run game, they had a couple of runs late where I felt like they were able to create some better lanes, like on the on the touchdown. I, I like that a little bit better. Um, but um, I did ask Ron Rivera about if if he's okay because in the past what we'd hear on these Mondays after a game like that in the past with with Scott Turner is like, well, we need to get back to what we do. We need to get back to this. We need to get back to that. And it was always, and you knew the next week they were going to run the ball more and they're probably going to do it early in the game, or you need to get Terry the ball more and you're going to get it early in the game. Like, don't be surprised if, if McLaurin gets three targets in the first quarter on Sunday. Um, but, but that's what would be said. And so I asked him like, you know, you have said that, do you feel that way now? And he does, he does not feel that way. So he seems to be okay with, with how things are and the, and the adjustments, did he feel they were too slow? And I, I don't know that he felt like that was the case necessarily. Um, so, you know, but it is it is a little bit of a change in thinking for what it was last couple of years. And he's giving Eric Bieniemy a really a lot of a lot of rope here to to run what he needs to run and do what he needs to do. But man, you need to start seeing some things pay off. And when you know, again, I go back to McLaurin's comments, and one thing to keep in mind. You know, again, I'm I'm not laying all. You know, Sunday it felt like it felt like they're just really slow to adjust. And in some cases, I think they were, but I don't think it's quite as damning as I thought it was watching the game and then going back and watching it live and then going back and rewatching. However, when you have a guy like McLaurin who's saying some of the things he did, then there's clearly you have to worry. You know, you start to think: Is there a loss of confidence in what's going on already? You know, or um, maybe some frustration with um, what might be perceived as some stubbornness. Um, you know, is that going on? And you know, so I think that's the thing you have to worry about because one of the things with Turner, they absolutely lost confidence in what in his game plan. And and so whether or not we can, I can sit here and say, well, it wasn't all the game plan, or the coaches can say that it wasn't all the game plan. Players have to believe that they have to believe, like you know what, this is there. Oh, that is there. 
if we just do this, then this is there, right? They have to believe, they have to have trust and faith in what you're doing. And you know, you can sit there until you're blue in the face and tell them, I'm telling you this is going to work. If they don't believe it, then you know, then it's then it, then it's hard to overcome that. And for them to believe it, they have to see more consistency from it. And and anyways. So in, you know, but I say all that because in the first half there, again, I pointed out some of those things were just poor execution, a misthrow, something like that. Now in the second half, it did, there were some more fades, some more crossers. There was the mesh concept that worked. Um, you know, the, I think I told you that Terry McLaurin ran one fade in the first half. Well, the first fade to him that was completed when it was thrown was 106 with 106 left in the third quarter. So, and and the, th the kicker of this is Sam Howell throws a really good fade ball. I mean, it's a really good fade ball. It was on this one, it's, it's you take a couple of steps, 1.78 seconds. And that ball, that ball was, 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 um that ball was out. So in 1.78. So that's, that's what you want. A little bit later, a five-step fade. And it was. Let's see. One point. It was seven men, seven man pass pro. So we could take five steps, one point eight one seconds, and the ball is out. That's how you avoid sacks is by doing that, and that's what they started to do. I, I thought, like I said, I do. I still think there was set. You know what? You know, I would like to have seen more of this in the first half. You had the mesh on a second and ten that it was um, with McLaurin and, and Logan Thomas. Thomas gets it, thirteen yard gain. You had more sprint rollouts in the second half and a, and a half couple half rollouts in the second half you had you know two there was one to um Jahan Dotson for an 8 yard gain and um there was there was also a little bit of a a, a quote unquote pick play with Thomas and I think it was with I can't remember who it was which receiver it was but it was it worked and then there was on the fourth down and one you had McLaurin go to run almost like a fake pick and then he and it freezes Deontay Banks the corner who's covering McCorn, who then, it's almost, it's not quite a pick and roll, but it's almost a little bit like that, where you go to set the pick and you kind of just cut to the, get to the middle and he's open for it, but it's a good concept, good design. But it, I thought like there was, some of that stuff was missing in the first half and you can't run all that stuff. You got to convert and got to get, you know, et cetera. But like some of the, some of the crossers giving them some easier, easier targets on and some easy, some better, clearer answers on some of these protections when it holds up. And if it doesn't, if the, if it's the execution, you can say, listen, we gave you the answer, but the protection has to hold up or you've got to see this. And there are a couple of times that was the case, but again, other times, you know, you need to get that ball to McLaurin early. That's on you. That's partly on you. And I know some of it's just where the defense goes, but this is where you need that freedom. Like, okay, you get to the line, McLaurin's got a one-on-one. -on -one, then I think I've made my point on that. So, um, but so there was adjustments in that second half. There were, you know, there, there was, um, more, uh, it looked like some different route concepts that worked to get them the ball. And they actually moved the ball a lot better in the second half than they did at first. They just didn't convert in the red zone when they needed to on the two occasions. And the kicker of that is, you know, on that last play, it was a hell of a job by how getting out of that second. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how he was missed to be honest, because there was a clean free rusher and he just ducks under and somehow gets out of it. Cause you're thinking it's a sack. And when I'm watching it again, I'm like, how does he get out of that? And he, he actually, he throws a catchable ball to Dotson, but not an on target ball. So it's one where, 
you know, you're you're running to your right and you got to reach back like that. It's not an easy catch, but I know Dotson feels he should have had it. And it is a catch that he would make a lot. So you have to say that he he should have had it. But, you know, the other part of that is in the end zone, Logan Thomas is wide open. Now it's back to the middle. And I don't know that Howell would have seen him at that point because, you know, you look up and he had, and he had, he made, listen, he made the right decision. The throw was just a little bit off and it was dropped. So I, I can't, you know, it's, I guess the good part is you had, dude, you did have a couple guys open the end zone. They were free, but you still made a good decision because the ball was there and he just, he, you know, you got to hang on a tough catch, but you got to hang on to it. And if you, but if he also hits him in the, in the, if he's able to hit him a little bit more inside or inside or, or to his, his um, outside shoulder, I should say. So as it would have been his right shoulder, then it's going to lead him into a touchdown, but it's also, you're under duress, you're moving on the run. I'm not going to quibble over that, but, but so it wasn't a perfect ball. However, it was a ball that Dotson and, and would say he should have caught. Hall says he should have made a better throw and they're both right. Because it was, it could have been a better throw, but it still really should have been caught. So that, that's that's the unfortunate part that we're looking at. You know, I think if you get into overtime, I think this team wins. But you know what? They didn't get into overtime, and they didn't win, and now they're in a hell of a hole. And it's only even only at three and four. I mean, they're clearly still in the playoff race because there's so much time left that you know who isn't except for Carolina. So they they they're still in that race, but man, you've got to play better than this. You just have to. And offensively, the execution is, has been really bad. And it's why I go back, you know, to some some draft stuff. Like, I really wish they had taken another lineman in that, um, that who was going to help him this year. Now, Stromberg may, you know, he did end up going in for, for um, Sadiq Charles. And a couple of times I saw that he had one rush where he had a problem. But I also felt like I, one thing I really like about him is I think he plays with great awareness. And there were a couple of times where he blocks down and they send a stun around him and he's, but he's got the awareness. And at one time he knocked the guy off stride because he plays with good awareness. I saw that this summer. That's one thing he does well. I don't know who's going to go in there. Chris Paul has been next on the depth chart, but we'll see what they do there. And, you know, the other thing is like, if you want to, I don't know if they're going to make any kind of changes. You know, Tyler Larson has done a good job at center over the last couple of years as a backup. Would they would they go with him or are you content with Nick Gates? Um, do you do something to try and jolt it or shake it up a little bit just, just because? But I don't know that that's the answer. I don't know. I think part of the answer I say is you got to execute better, but you also you you have to adjust sooner to what you're doing. And there's no doubt to with that. But you can't like I can't sit here and say it was just on the coaches. I can't sit here and say it was just on the old line. And I'm not going to sit here and say it was just on how I think they all contributed to it because, and the other thing is I thought like Wink Martindale was a step ahead. I think he was definitely a step ahead at times. And I got some examples of that where, you know, there was, um, man, man, I forgot about this. So there were a couple of times where just like on some overloads, right. And you'd have, um, they'd have max pro, Max protection, you know, two receivers going out, but they'd have like the corners underneath and you have safeties over the top and it would be a wrap. And it was, you know, so like they, they had a hard time with those situations. They had a seven man front still getting an overload um, with 55 pressure. He goes from the B gap on the left side to the A gap on the right side and, and, and nobody's there and he comes clean. 
Um, but it's a seven man protection and he still comes clean. So I think that's something that is just, has been, um, that's something that you, you have to do better with that. You have to, and that's, that is, hold on, I'm just writing something down here on my, that's something that you have to build at. There was a um, second nine, there was a sack. There was a play. Oh, I, oh, I already told that, but I talked about that one. So there were a few times where I felt like Wink Martindale was just ahead of where they wanted to be. And again, the, the empty set sack was, was another example where as soon as they motioned to get out of, get to empty, it was an automatic blitz call and they ex- the giants executed it very well. And I think that was also contributed to this loss. So um, anyway, can't have that happen again. The, you know, this team has too many hard games coming up and we already know what the, what the big picture deal is. Uh, they have, you know, it is what it is, folks. I don't know what to tell you because you like to sit here and say a lot of times in the past, I'd say, man, this, this team has worked too hard to be in this spot, blah, blah, blah. And there've been times I felt like that. I thought during the Marty Schottenheimer year was like that. There was a time during the Joe Gibbs year um, in his second year, I felt like that. And I feel like this team worked really hard, but, and, and even in those teams, like there were issues in each of those years and they got it corrected. So can they, do you have confidence they can get it corrected? I think you need, we need the proof. We need the proof. So that's where we're at, folks. They got to show it to you, and they got to show it to you starting Sunday. But anyway, that's my wrap-up for the film. Hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, 7.30 Eastern Time, Tuesday night with the voice of the commanders, Brian Weinstein and I. Bring your concerns, your frustrations, your questions. We'll chat, we'll talk it out, and hopefully that'll help you. Talk to you next time.